Okay, now it's time to talk to Adrian Seligman. He is the Chief Commercial Officer at the Top Employers Institute. We talked about what the Top Employers Institute does, how becoming a top employer has changed over the years, and where the UK sits in the uh, global pantheon of good employers. Tell us a bit about what the Top Employers Institute is all about. Yeah, of course. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for having us on the podcast today. So, at Top Employers, we're a certification organisation. So, we certify excellence when it comes to the conditions that employers create for their people. And what we know is that those optimal or optimised employee conditions basically create the right environment for employees to which to thrive. And that means develop themselves professionally, so have these development opportunities there to progress um, in their roles and in their lives. Uh, and that's really the purpose of the business. So that, that's what gets us out of bed in the morning. And really over the last 20 years, we've developed um, a proprietary methodology and research which goes into the survey that we deploy. And that's, that evolves every year as, of course, HR advances. Uh, where we are now, we certify over 1,300 organisations. Uh, that's across 115 countries now. Um, the really exciting bit, though, is not so much the participants of the programme, then it's the employees that work for those participants. And if you extrapolate those numbers and look at the employees that those participants employ, the programme now touches over 5 million um, different employees. That's quite a lot of people. So you say you've got about 1,300 people, uh, or th- sorry, 1,300 companies. Do they all every year take part in the process of becoming or, or tr- trying to become a top employer? Yes, that's right. So we, we work with, in, uh, well, we call them participants, but, you know, clients, most people would refer them to. So the participants in the programme, they sign up for three years to work with us, and that's because it's always a development journey. So that the first time we deploy the survey and, and validate the results, we see exactly how they perform against that global benchmark. Um, and, of course, the whole point then is, is improvement and advancement. And so working over a three-year cycle with our participants means we can work with them on the areas that need you know, attention and potentially investment um, for them to become more competitive uh, in the world of work. So I guess the obvious next question is what are your tips? Con- considering you've been going for 20 years, you've seen uh, a lot of changes and and. Uh, and have a lot of uh, good advice for how to become a top employer. So what are your tips to do that? How do you become a top employer? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite a broad survey as well. So, um, you yeah, know, the idea of, of tips uh, to get through the survey is quite, a, quite an interesting one and almost an impossible question. But, um, you know, we surveyed the full range of HR. So there was nine topics. And um, they're across talent strategy, workforce planning, onboarding. You know, the, the list goes on. And this next year, there'll be a tenth topic which is talent acquisition coming in as well. So what we're looking for is really consistency across those practices, but also where companies are outstanding. Um, and also there's a cut-off as well. So because we, we hold a standard, it's not so much about necessarily needing to be the best within a particular uh, country or continent uh, or even globally. It's more about have you got enough of the right policies and practices in place to warrant certification against that standard. So a little bit more like um, ISO accreditation, which we'd all be familiar with here in the UK. And uh, companies need to get 60% to qualify for the certification. And, and of course, that's a moving feast. So as, as you know, the world of HR evolves, as the survey evolves, the benchmark also evolves. Uh, and again, that's why we work with clients over time um, to move things forward with them. Uh, so talking about evolution, what changes have you seen then over the years about uh, how top employers operate? And, uh, and how this uh, sort of work, links in with workforce learning and development. Yeah, sure. So there's you know, lots of different things that we track. So there's over 600 um, policies and practices that we measure via the survey. 
Um, and yeah, yeah, indeed, the trends are the interesting thing. And it, we focus on uh, some of the companies that are really at the, the top um, of the survey. When it comes to L&D in particular, one, one thing we've really seen movement is um, the involvement of the exec team within L&D programs. And we've seen that, if you track back over time, from a situation where really L&D departments, training departments are responsible for the development of employees. Then, then we've had execs almost parachuted in, in a sponsorship role. But now what we see is execs really deeply embedded within the programs, either as mentors as part of that program you know, involved in the design. Um, but you know, I guess as we see the importance of talent and, and the really strong links between um, you know, the performance of talent in the business and the overall business outcomes, the, the interest and involvement from the exec team is really on the rise. And we see you know, within our top employers, 93% of, of those companies report that their exec management layers are actively participating in their L&D programs now. So, so that would be one thing. Um, another thing would be um, the transparency of programs. So if you cast your mind back a few years, sometimes um, it's a little bit hidden how you get involved in certain programs. But again, when, when we look at the very best uh, employers out there, we see almost complete transparency. Um, so in fact, 95% of top employers have a completely transparent approach to their learning and development policies and programs, which means that employees know exactly where they stand. They know what they need to do to get on a particular program. Um, or indeed what not to do uh, and, and that's just beneficial for all um, otherwise I mean it's not all good news as well so I'd say that um, you know, coaching and mentoring is an absolute staple for L&D that's, the, the trend there globally is, is flat and that might be because it was high in the first place and it's very established you know, four out of five companies have coaching or, or and or mentoring programs but we, we don't see that rising at the moment I suppose you'd expect this but technology is the area where we really do see um, big strides forward. Mobile learning in particular, so you know, there's obviously learning platforms. Um, you know, there's, there's platforms now where employees can get involved in actually co-creating their own learning journey. Um, but if you take mobile learning, so just, you know, this is then learning platforms which you can access on a mobile device. Yeah, that's where we really see, see movement and also very good movement in, um, you know, from our UK top employers as well. Um, 54% of UK top employers had a mobile enabled platform last year, and that rose to 66% this year. Um, that's a global trend, uh, but unfortunately not quite at the top. It's actually it's Asia Pacific is the continent that's leading the way there with, with 73% of top employers having mobile optimised platforms for learning. So my final question sort of talks about the, the global situation and how the UK fits into this. So how, uh, obviously... As you said, Asia-Pacific is, is very forward-thinking when it comes to technology, but um, how do employers in the UK compare globally, then, uh, compared with other territories? Yeah, that's, that's also actually a difficult question to answer because we have a, a lot of participants in the programme will choose to participate not just in the UK, but in many other countries as well. So the way the programme works is that you can gain a, a country certification and then if you get a certain number of countries across a continent you could then take your UK certification and elevate that to European status. And then there's the, the, the top of the tree is the, the gold standard, if you like, is, is the global status. And what, what companies and participants are looking for there is um, they're looking at alignment of HR policies and practices across different countries. And you, know, you might be surprised that it, it really often comes up when we're, we're involved in feedback sessions. You might find that a company headquartered in Paris suddenly realises when they're looking at their Asia-Pacific business that that high potential program, which is rolled out from the centre in Paris, just nobody's ever heard of it when it comes to the, the particular business that's sat in Korea. So, um, 
almost like, by, by the nature of our program, the UK is not hugely differentiated uh, necessarily because a lot of those top employers are looking for alignment and they're working hard towards alignment of policies and practices. But um, where we see some, you know, some good information then is, is again, it's using technology. So uh, you think about you know, personal development plans, um, the ability to get involved in a platform to self-assess yourself to identify skill gaps. We do see the UK as performing slightly above um, both Europe and globe and the global benchmark here as well. Um, and then again, just that that switch to being uh, what I described as being career active. So where you know the responsibility for your own training and development falls on you, know, you as an employee, the UK seems to be more successful in, in making that shift away from the development department to the employee, and then using technology cleverly to put together interactive employee portals to enable people to really drive their own development. And again, there's a, there's a real good positive gap there with the UK running ahead of, of Europe um, and the global benchmark too. It, it might be, just in reflecting on why that, that is, it could be that here in the UK we do have a disproportionate number of headquarters. Um, so looking at either you know, the UK, Europe, or more broadly um, you know, with international responsibility as well. And we do see that when it comes to the adoption of new technology, the UK is often leading the way um, obviously, I said slightly behind Asia, generally speaking, but, but when it comes to that, that sense of being career active and responsible for your own development, um, the UK has made that link more strongly and faster than, than other markets. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, from my perspective, the L&D community in this country is very tight-knit but quite forward-thinking. So whenever you go to events, you hear you know some amazing people talking and, and some, some really good positive conversation about uh, the, the moves in in the industry to to push things forward, but I guess it's just about translating that to uh, more and more businesses and more and more employers across the country. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, ultimately, L and D exists, I guess, you know, to take the organisation forward in terms of it, its talent. And just a, a final thought is where where we do see really strong performance globally now is is in the measurement of learning and development um, and the actual effectiveness of it. Um, although there's two sides to that. So if you look at the um, the qualitative measures, so you know, are we developing skills? Um, are we developing capabilities? Are people now ready for the next role? Are our internal ability numbers rising because people are now ready to move on? That you know, very strong performance there globally uh, against that ultimate measure. But then if you go one stage further, then you get to that holy grail of measuring L&D in terms of financial and quantitative outcomes. It's interesting. That's actually where we see some regression globally. So. 40% of top employers did measure that and make that link successfully. Um, uh, the year before last, that actually dropped to 34%, so that's like backwards step. And that's, that's entirely in line with the, with the global move, which was 30% of you know, global top employers, that dropped back to 27 So, you know, UK running ahead in that department, but actually the trend is a little worrying because we're finding it harder and harder to really make those hard, quantifiable links between our, our L&D strategies. Mm. <laughs> Always difficult, but plenty to act on. Uh, Adrian, thanks a lot for talking to TJ, and uh, and and good luck with the next round of uh, top employers. Fantastic. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for having me.